tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. It's January 10th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got four briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, more shocking details about U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. We now know that he was hiding his cancer diagnosis. I'll explain how his handling of this sets up potential blackmail concerns for the U.S. military. Second, the Biden campaign was in South Carolina on Monday with Mr. Biden claiming that white supremacy is a poison on America's soul. I'll provide you fresh data, though, from his Department of Defense that challenges the gravity of that threat. Third, expect some fireworks today on Capitol Hill about America's collapsed southern border. I'll explain what's going on. Fourth, officers in the U.S. Marine Corps have admitted that they lack anti-drone systems in the Pacific region. I'll give an example of why that is so very bad. Later, three listener questions today about Iran, China, and some good news about how to best educate America's young men. But first, let's get to our top stories of the morning. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin informed the White House yesterday that for the very first time, he was in fact diagnosed with prostate cancer, a fact that he hid from the commander-in-chief for over a month. So here is what we know. In early December, Mr. Austin had a regular screening for prostate cancer, and doctors found evidence that in fact he had it. He then decided to undergo a surgical procedure that removed all or part of his prostate. For many men, that can be a very difficult choice, sometimes embarrassing, because it can lead to impotence. The surgery was on December 22nd, and he was under general anesthesia for it, but the secretary claims that he never fully lost consciousness. He had total control of his faculties during the entire procedure. Then, about a week later, he said he suffered from complications, and he was then rushed to Walter Reed Medical Center via ambulance for those complications. And yet even still, Mr. Austin failed to inform either the White House or his senior DOD colleagues to include the Deputy uh, Secretary of Defense, Kathleen Hicks. As I shared with you on Monday, she was on vacation, but she agreed to pick up some of uh, his duties, totally unaware of what was happening. As listeners know, that was both a violation of U.S. law and a breach of protocol. The law in question, by the way, mandates that senior U.S. government officials like Mr. Austin disclose when their roles are vacant or otherwise they are unable to execute their duties. The law also says that anyone acting in the place of one of those senior officials must provide their names to both houses of Congress. And that was not done in this case. Meanwhile, Mr. Austin's decisions were also a severe violation of protocol, which the White House is now trying to clean up. They sent out a memo yesterday to all cabinet heads to clarify and confirm the processes for when a leader vacates or is otherwise unable to execute their duties. 
Finally this morning, there is growing bipartisan shock on Capitol Hill in how Mr. Uh, Austin handled himself in this medical emergency, which he previously described as a simple elective procedure. But of course, he did not share that indeed it was for cancer. For what it's worth, his doctors claim that he will likely make a full recovery, but it will probably take many months of watchful waiting. So those are the evolving facts and data on this very peculiar and unprecedented story. Let me offer you my analysis and opinion. First, this latest news matches what my sources told me on Sunday, and I shared with you all on Monday morning that Mr. Austin was dealing with a degree of embarrassment about his prostate issue. But rather than deal with that as a man or as a leader, he chose to do this. He effectively went missing in action. He tried to hide both his departure and his cancer from the White House, from the Department of Defense senior officials, and Congress. Only after he suffered complications, he was then forced to tell the truth, which at first was some vagaries about elective surgeries. But at best, that was a half-truth. But no matter what, his behavior was a violation of both the law and protocol, which, as I shared with you on Monday, Mr. Biden will not hold him to account for, given the reasons that I mentioned. But there is another problem that we now should recognize regarding Mr. Austin's behavior. Foreign intel agencies look for men and women in our government and military who do exactly what Mr. Austin just did. They hide something from their superiors or others because they are ashamed or they are embarrassed about something. That then gets used as blackmail material or part of a pitch where these foreign intel officers say, we know what's going on, come spy for us. And it works, folks, and that's a problem. Mr. Austin just set a horrific example for the millions of Defense Department employees and our folks in uniform, telling them that, well, they should go ahead and try to hide something that might be embarrassing or shameful rather than be honest, even if it's required by law. And that is why this story matters, my friends. It's yet one more example of a senior government official that has done something like this to, to do whatever that they want to do, irrespective of laws and protocols. We certainly have one of the more infamous examples in James Comey at the FBI. Now we've got Lloyd Austin at the Department of Defense. These folks just do not think that rules or laws are made for them. So that is why, in my view, Mr. Austin must resign or be forced out, and he should focus on his health, and we should all wish him the best. But it is now time that someone with integrity ran the Department of Defense, and that person is not Mr. Austin. Folks, we deserve that as taxpayers, and our women and men in uniform, plus all the civilians at the Department of Defense, they deserve that kind of leadership as well. With that, we turn to our second report of the morning. Mr. Biden made a pitch to black voters in South Carolina on Monday, emphasizing that white supremacy remains a profound risk to them. It's in fact a poison in the American soul. Mr. Biden spoke to parishioners at the Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina, as part of his continued push for re-election as he needs black voters in places like South Carolina to propel him back into the White House. He spoke at this church in particular because it was the site of a very horrific shooting a number of years ago by a young white man named Dylan Roof. He killed nine people at that historically black congregation. And that is why Mr. Biden said this, quote, The word of God was pierced here by bullets of hate and rage, propelled by not just gunpowder, but by a poison. 
poison that has for too long haunted this nation. And what is that poison? White supremacy. This has no place in America, not today, tomorrow, or ever. End quote. While it is true that Mr. Roof had white supremacist views, Mr. Biden failed to mention that Mr. Roof also had social anxiety disorder, a mixed substance abuse disorder, a schizoid personality disorder, autistic spectrum disorder, and depression. Nevertheless, this rhetoric matches previous messaging from Mr. Biden and his administration and his party that white supremacy is the greatest or most lethal threat to America, a terrorist or otherwise. But as Mr. Biden was speaking to those parishioners on Monday, the Department of Defense released its findings at that very same hour of a review that discussed whether or not white supremacy and extremism in general was growing within the active duty members of the U.S. military. The report was conducted because of a fear that was spread by leftist media outlets and Democrats that radicalized U.S. veterans played an outsized role in the protests on January 6th. And that radicalization was a broader threat to the nation. This report was supposed to factually prove that that fear was founded, but it did not. Here's the quote. There is no evidence that the number of violent extremists in the U.S. military is disproportionate to the number of violent extremists in the United States as a whole, end quote. The authors added that, quote, there is no evidence of violence extremist behavior by DOD civilians either, end quote. This data, by the way, adds to previous information released last spring by the RAND Corporation that showed very little extremism amongst U.S. veterans as well. But here's something that did not get much attention last spring in that RAND Corporation data. When veterans did show extremist tendencies, they were five times more likely to support leftist extremism like black nationalism or Antifa. So those are the latest facts and data on the Biden allegation of white supremacy in America and the threat to this homeland, especially from our military and its veterans. Let me now pivot to my analysis and opinion. Folks, I have spent over 20 years of my life defending this country focused on threats. And sorting out fact from fiction about these various threats was very, very important, a part of that, as you would imagine, because with limited resources and a lot of threats, We had to prioritize both our people and our money. So let's do that this morning. Let's prioritize things. Let's take three well-known threats from white supremacists, from black nationalists, and Islamic radicals. And let us ask, what do the data show or suggest about which threat is the most dangerous or potent to our fellow Americans? So let's start with white supremacy. Not too long ago, the FBI director, Christopher Wray, said that his organization was conducting about 2,000 investigations into domestic extremism. Based on his testimony, we can say that a majority of those 2,000 were involving white supremacists or white nationalists, although the exact number was unclear. But for the sake of argument, let's say that there are 1,500 active uh, white supremacists or cells in America of those 2,000 cases. All right, so that's that number. 1,500. Let's now consider black nationalism or black radicalism. We know that based on that data from Iran Corporation, we would expect that the number of black nationalists or black extremist cells from just U.S. veterans to be five times the number of white nationalists. So whatever the exact ultimate number, the universe of black radicals is far higher than white radicals by a percentage basis, frankly, by orders of magnitude. Finally, let's think about Islamic terror, 
or Islamic radicalism. As listeners know, a poll from about three months ago showed that about 60% of America's 3.5 million Muslims support Hamas and their terror attacks. In other words, a little over 2 million American Muslims think that Islamic extremism or terror tactics are acceptable. So when thinking about the greatest domestic threat, the facts and data are absolutely overwhelming. The greatest domestic terror threat is not from white supremacy. It's from radical Islam. And of course, Mr. Biden knows this. So too does his Department of Justice and the FBI. But apparently that is irrelevant. In fact, as CBS News described it, Mr. Biden was in the southern U.S. on Monday visiting that church because, quote, Biden courts critical black voters in South Carolina decrying white supremacy, end quote. In other words, the the false rhetoric around white supremacy is race baiting. He is using race to whip up fear and votes. And yes, that is factually wrong. It is grotesque. It is un-American. But most critically, it hides the truth that America does face a grave domestic terror threat, but it is not from white folks or even most black folks. Instead, it's from another part of Mr. Biden's electoral coalition, radicalized Muslims. And that matters, even if it does not matter to the White House. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. For subscribers listening at rightreport.substack.com, thank you. Meanwhile, for my other loyal listeners, an equal thanks. We'll be right back. My friends, for the past few months, you have heard me talk about Jace Medical. It's the company that provides you medication for emergency use like antibiotics. Also, they get you backup prescriptions for things like cholesterol, diabetes, and blood pressure. And here's why I love Jace Medical so much. If you are a farming or a ranching family or you live in the back 40, it is pretty tough to get a hold of a doctor, to travel to the appointment, get the prescription, you fill it, and so forth. But with Jace Medical, all you have to do is fill out a simple online form and in some cases have a quick call with one of their board-certified physicians. And then you get the medication right in the mail. You also get ongoing care from Jace Physicians about any treatment-related questions, which is fantastic. In other words, folks, you get peace of mind, you get convenience, and you get an emergency supply of medicines no matter where you are. And that is great for a lot of people, rural families, folks who are traveling, or those of us who might be a little bit anxious these days about our unpredictable world, and you might prefer to have an emergency supply of medicines on hand. And that's kind of smart. So do what I've done. Go to jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Enter that promo code right W. R-I-G-H-T is the spelling. And when you do, you will get a right report discount. Again, my friends, go to jacemedical.com, promo code right, and get the supply of medicines you need, folks, shipped straight to your door. My friends, have you gotten your Factor Meals yet? If not, holy smokes, you should. Factormeals.com is the best meal delivery company in the United States. I promise you this. I have tried the others. These guys are it. They give you more than 35 different meal options to choose from every single week. That includes Calorie Smart, which is a pretty good idea after the holidays. Also, they've got Protein Plus, which is a great idea for after the gym. And even Vegetarian Options, which is a great idea for people who are crazy. Just kidding. We love our vegetarians, too. 
Well, anyway, it's all delivered, ladies and gentlemen, fresh, right to your doorstep, never frozen. All you got to do is open the box, and after a couple of minutes of heating, you have got a great meal to enjoy. And that's true for breakfast, lunch, dinner. Plus, they've got some wonderful grab-and-go snacks and some tasty cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. As ever, I've told you this before, I love their pork chops. They've also got shredded chicken tacos that are so good. Also, they've got a new lasagna that is out, and it is top-notch. These meals, folks, really are delicious, and they are a perfect option for either busy people like me or retired folks who just want good, healthy meals, but they don't want the fuss of cooking. So support the folks who support this podcast, my friends, and get yourselves Factor Meals at 50% off right now. So go to factormeals.com slash right five zero. That's W-R-I-G-H-T five zero. And you get 50% off. Yeah. Again, that's promo code right five zero at factormeals.com slash right five zero and get that 50% off. But more importantly, my friends, you're getting a meal service that is good for your body and great for your taste buds. I guarantee it. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our news this morning with a pivot towards a mix of domestic and international developments. First up, something to put on your radars later this morning. You will see important details about America's southern border, and they will be flying fast and furious on your TVs and computer screens. And that's because at 10 a.m. Eastern, the House of Representatives will be holding a hearing on Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. They allege that he has failed in his leadership regarding America's southern border and the related migrant crisis. House Republicans uh, say that this hearing is the very first step in what is almost certainly going to be a renewed attempt to impeach Mr. Mayorkas for the millions of illegals who have poured over the southern border during his time as secretary. Their argument is twofold. First, they say that he has actively prevented lawful measures to either slow or stop migrants. And second, they say that he has lied about critical facts and data related to this migrant invasion. For example, House Republicans note that he claimed just last week that about 70% of illegals are immediately released into this country once they are apprehended. But in a private meeting with Border Patrol agents, he said that actually the percentage is over 85%, not 70. In yet another example of what they say is his failed leadership that is worthy of impeachment, they say that Mr. Mayorkas is actually trying to shift blame to Mexico. Mr. Mayorkas blames the president of that country, Mr. AMLO, for not deploying enough agents and troops to our southern border. Well, House Republicans blast that view, saying that it's the U.S. government's responsibility to defend America, not AMLO or Mexico. Finally, we should probably expect to hear about the call for $14 billion, that is the Biden White House's request to deal with the migrant crisis. Mr. Mayorkas says that he needs that money to protect the border, but his critics, especially House Republicans, say that the $14 billion would largely go to help resettle illegals in the United States from taking plane rides to housing assistance or reimbursing America's sanctuary cities for all the costs that they have uh, incurred so far in supporting these various illegal migrants. So folks, no analysis or opinion to give you on this one, just something to keep on your radars for today, because this will mark the first opening shots in what will be the House's efforts to impeach Mr. Mayorkas. I should note that, well, his removal is unlikely. 
That is because it would take some pretty notable support in the Senate to do that, which does not exist. Or at the end of the day, it's going to require a new president in the White House to select a new team to include a new Secretary of Homeland Security. Nevertheless, more to come. Next up, some sobering news from the U.S. Marine Corps this morning about the China threat in the Pacific region. Late last week, Marine Corps commanders were asked about their ability to combat Chinese drones if a war were to come with Beijing, specifically in the Indo-Pacific region. Colonel Brendan Sullivan and Colonel Thomas Seibert said that their respective units that are operating in Southeast Asia and the Pacific Ocean do not have anti-drone weapons, but that, quote, we are certainly working on it, end quote. That, by, uh, by the way, was the reaction of Colonel Seiverts, who is the commanding officer of the newly formed Marine Rotational Force of Southeast Asia. His colleague, Colonel Sullivan, said that, quote, drones are a wicked problem that everyone is working hard to come to grips with. That's a huge focus of effort, end quote. Uh, he, by the way, is the commanding officer of a Marine Rotational Force down in Darwin, Australia. Both men, though, did note with some degree of hope, hope, that uh, some of their partners in the region do have some anti-drone weaponry, like the Philippine or Indonesian militaries, but uh, not them, not the U.S., or at least not the U.S. Marines. So those are the painful but quick facts and data on this drone issue with the U.S. Marine Corps in the Pacific. Let me now pivot to my analysis and opinion of why I am bringing this news to you. So last spring, the U.S. Marine Corps conducted a 10-day mock battle across Southern California where a Hawaii-based regiment, which uh, acted as the Chinese, they faced off against uh, other regiments that vastly outnumbered them. But the Hawaii regiment, although smaller in number, they had drones, and they used them to conduct surveillance and used them to conduct suicide missions, much like we are seeing in Ukraine. And here's what happened in this mock battle involving the Marines in Southern California. Those Marines that played the role of the Chinese fighters, but they, they had the drones... They absolutely whipped the other Marines who had no anti-drone weaponry. All right, well, that won't come as much of a surprise to listeners. We have spoken extensively about how drones are changing modern warfare. In fact, uh, about a year ago, U.S. Marine Corps Lieutenant General Karsten Heckel spoke about our innovation in this realm of drones versus Chinese innovation. He said that we are much too slow. Quote, I'm tired of analyzing this. It's paralysis through analysis. We need to stop it. The Chinese aren't waiting. We are losing time, end quote. Well, here we are a year later, and it appears as though pretty much everything remains to be true, as the lieutenant general said. Indeed, his colleagues, uh, Colonel Sullivan and Colonel Seibert, said that they still don't have these advanced innovation systems, the anti-drone systems, but they say everybody's still working on it. And that, folks, is why I still remain pretty bullish about my prediction that China will likely invade Taiwan over the next 24 months. And that's all because they know that they largely have the advantage right now, whether that be conventional weapons or related platforms like ships to things like drones. I want to emphasize something, though. This does not mean that China doesn't have its own problems. They do, including corruption, possible spy problems, especially in the rocket force, as I've preached on previously, in fact, you may have seen some recent intel reports that uh, some of their key missiles are being filled with water instead of fuel, all because of corrupt procurement officers. So yes, I have full recognition that China is not a 100-foot-tall monster 
that we cannot possibly defeat. But the innovation gap, ladies and gentlemen, cannot be ignored. We are being much too slow in innovating our forces. Nor can we ignore our reliance on China for our war material, our supply chain. In fact, a report that came out last week showed that very critical parts in our military supply chain are no longer built in any of our 50 states. Most all of it comes from China. So that is why I will keep watching this very, very closely, especially on this issue of drones and innovation. I will be focused on how we respond or not to this ongoing China threat, indeed, especially in that field of drone warfare. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. We'll be right back. Folks, a few months ago, you might remember that I had a very strange tech issue. My gear melted down on me. Well, to fix and protect those systems, I used a company called Cronovi. That's spelled K-R-O-N-O-V-I. And I want to tell you about them. It's a small IT company that offers a range of services from advanced forensic challenges like mine, but also for simple consumer needs too like website creation or basic tech support or helping you install and operate some fancy gadgetry that maybe you got at a birthday or Christmas time. Meanwhile, for businesses, they offer you a ton of great advanced services too, like app development or digital transformation, cloud services, e-commerce, and they do all of that and so much more at a tremendous value. By the way, the most important part of that value for me was trust. Cronovi has an Idaho-based, U.S.-run tech support team with professional certifications and backgrounds that certainly impressed me, and I know it will impress you. So go to Cronovi.com. Again, that is K-R-O-N-O-V-I. Reach out to their team, and they will get back to you on whatever your tech project might be, that be big or small, personal or business. Plus, here is an awesome benefit. For the folks who are paid subscribers on Substack, you are going to get 20% off of all of Cronovi's services. Just look for the promo code on the daily emails that I send you. And that discount, that could be hundreds or even thousands of dollars in savings, depending, of course, on your project. So again, everybody, go to K-R-O-N-O-V-I.com and use this wonderful Idaho-based American-run tech team that I use and trust. Again, that's K-R-O-N-O-V-I. Com. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. It is three listener questions today sent to us from my paid subscribers at rightreport.substack.com. First up is John in Dayton, Ohio. He was asking about the war in the Middle East. Brian, do you think that there is a chance that Iran is stirring up all this disarray, all these troubles in the Middle East using Hamas and Hezbollah and the Houthis? to try to distract the world as they make their final sprint to the finish line to build more nuclear weapons. Ooh, John, this is a fantastic question. So here's what we know. We know that Iran needs about two weeks from the point that they decide to increase their production of weapons-grade uranium until they actually have it. Well, then we've got this issue of putting that uh, uranium into a warhead and then putting that into a missile. So this starts to get into some classified information that I can't discuss, but we should simply know that it does take a fair number of days to weeks. So is it possible that Iran is increasing its use of terror activities or these proxy groups 
to basically tie up U.S. or Israeli intel agencies and officers and distract them, all as these Iranian scientists and other military officials like the rocket teams get things prepared? Sure, that's absolutely a possibility. If that's true, is it likely that when they do get everything ready, that Iran would then launch those missiles, especially right before we or the Israelis figured it all out? Whoo, that is a big question. So the conventional answer is no, that Tehran does not want a nuclear war. And that is because they know that we or the Israelis would respond with overwhelming strikes on Iran itself. So at the end of the day, everybody would just be dead. But I'll tell you, anymore, who knows? We do not live in ordinary times. Conventional thinking is kind of out the window at this point. Nevertheless, I will keep watching for signs that your scenario might play out, John, that Iran is trying to plus up its nuclear capabilities and will then fire them off before we know what is coming. More to come on that. Next up, we have Stanley in southern Idaho. He wrote in asking, Brian, did you see the report about the Chinese guy who is one of America's biggest landowners? What do you think about that? I think it's crazy. All right, Stanley, yes, I did see this report, and I also think it's crazy. So here's the quick summary for folks who are unaware. A Chinese national is a billionaire named Chen Tianchao. He owns about 200,000 acres of timberland in Oregon. That puts him in close second place to a Canadian family. And those guys are the largest non-American landowners in the country, so he's number two. So here's a reminder of why this is bad. The Chinese have a law. It's called the National Intelligence Law of 2017 that says that all Chinese nationals like Mr. Chen must comply with any orders that are issued by Beijing's military or intelligence services. So that makes Mr. Chen and all other Chinese nationals all around the world agents of the communist regime. And that is true whether or not they like that reality. Right? In this case, Mr. Chen, his fortune, his family, they are all at risk if he dares to say no. And that is why if I were to advise the president this morning, I would say revoke all visas for all Chinese citizens in this country and send them home immediately. In fact, I I shared that and other things, nine other ways to tackle the Chinese threat back on December 26th. As ever, and indeed, as I shared with you on, on December 26th, I realized that that council would probably be blasted by some as extreme or maybe bigoted, but I don't care. Uh, it is not xenophobic to recognize reality. Finally, some good news this morning to wrap up this podcast. Sherry out in Blytheville, Arkansas, wrote in, highlighting something that I actually saw as well, and I celebrated. It is an article from the Wall Street Journal posted about three weeks ago about America's boys. As listeners know, our young men are arguably in a state of crisis in this country. Many are raised by single mothers. Others get bullied or are otherwise socially disconnected, and they take out the resulting rage in some pretty horrific and dangerous ways, like violence in our schools or in our streets. But this essay in the journal offered a wonderful path forward to address those things. And you read it and you think, boy, this is pretty obvious. And here it is. Encourage male-only schools. So it's a recognition that boys and girls are different and boys learn differently. They need different environments. They need things like more hands-on learning. They need more breaks. They need a lot more movement. And it's better that there are fewer girls around as they tend to distract the boys as the boys try to show off in front of each other, impress those girls. 
Also noted in this journal article, boys tend to respond better to male teachers. And that is why one of the boys' schools that they highlighted in California specifically hired men for 80% of their instructors. Well, all told, this article talks about the fact that boys-only schools are producing young men with fewer behavioral problems, better grades, and higher graduation rates. So if folks have time, do read this one. It's a pretty quick read. And more importantly, if you want to get involved on a local level to start changing how our boys are educated, gosh, do it. Encourage your local school board districts to offer more boys-only or girls-only schools. And if those school districts don't respond to you, well, run for the school board. And I suspect that, yes, that would mean that as you talk about it, you would probably have to take on some folks in this modern America, usually on the left, who would tell us that gender is just a a social construct, that you can be a boy or a girl on any particular day and then switch back. But that uh, is just not true, obviously. As this article wonderfully points out, there are inherent differences between boys and girls, and it is not bigoted to point out the obvious. In fact, uh, boys and girls need us to point those things out because... That is what science tells us to be true and what common sense has told us for, I don't know, thousands of years. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.